<laughs> right. Hello, Wigs and Snatchettes, and welcome back to another episode of the Snatch Podcast. You are here with your lovely hosts, uh, Ewart and the lovely Latoya. In the making. You're made already. Sorry. I'm made. I'm here. I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, you are here with your lovely host, you and Natoya, and we're bringing you another episode from the Snatch Podcast. Um, we know this episode is uh, is part two of uh, Blood, Water, and Everything in Between. Um, and as you guys already know, or as our wigs and snatchets already know, uh, this season is really looking at the Black experience. So in these episodes, we're exploring the Black experience and the relationship that you have um, being Black uh, with yourself. So we're going to focus on the relationship you have with yourself in this episode. So really hope that you enjoy that. Before we kind of kick off the podcast, though, um, just want to say thank you so much to everyone who's reached out to us and given us feedback on the podcast so far and the, obviously the episodes. If you're not following us on social media, feel free to follow us, snatch.podcast on Instagram. And you can listen to uh, all podcasts on all of our episodes, I should <laughs> say, uh, on Spotify, iTunes and SoundCloud. Woo-hoo. The reach. <laughs> the reach yeah, is there. The reach. So, I already gave you a little bit of context in the previous part one of uh, Blood, Water and Everything in Between. But uh, again, just to kind of recap, part two is really looking at um, the experience you have uh, with yourself being a black person. Mm -hmm. Um, And when we were scoping out this episode, we were really looking at, you know what, the impact when you have relationships, you kind of split it into three parts. So you have got yourself, you have got your family and friends, and then actually you have your partners, your loved ones, you know. So, and I think that the relationship that you have with yourself is massively important. And I think not only I uh, can empathise, and I think Latoya can empathise that, you know, when you're growing up Mm. as a black person, it's fucking hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. You, um sometimes you're you're looking at yourself in the mirror and you're like, do I like what I see? Is the reasons why what I don't like what I see due to society? How do I navigate that, et cetera, et cetera. So in this episode, we're really going to kind of be unpicking some of the struggles, but then equally some of the highs of being black as well um, uh, in regards to the relationship that you have uh, with yourself. Um, So so I'm not sure if you wanted to add any more context to that. I hope I did a good job. (laughs) I did. You're on mute. (laughs) Oh, there you go. You're off mute now. What happened? Oh, my God. Sorry, guys. That was live. I was like, I could hear and I couldn't hear. Oh, my God. Soz. You're back. I'm back. So, basically, yes, that is what you said perfectly sums it up. I definitely think the relationship you have with yourself as a black person is um, has so many layers to it because, obviously, being black is just a skin colour anyway, Mm. right? But the actual identity of blackness is not just something, it's not something, unfortunately, that we own. What I mean by that is that sometimes the narrative is controlled by the media, it's controlled by society, it's controlled by the communities we surround ourselves in. So I'm really excited to delve into the exploration of um, self in this episode because I think we'll definitely unpeel and uncover like a lot of depth to to what it is to be a black man and a black woman in today's society. So I hope, you know, sure. everyone enjoys, really. Hope you enjoy. Yeah. So we're going to kick it off. So, so I've got a, a question just to set the scene a little cool, bit. Cool, cool. Um, so um, what do you love about yourself? Being a black woman, what do you love about being a black woman? Oh, do you know what? I love, um, and I, I think I mean overall, but the tenacity of black women we just really we really are able to be malleable and to to mold ourselves to situations and overcome like our strength at times I think is our weakness because sometimes we're too strong and we don't ask for help and we don't ask for support because we've been taught not to be weak but at the same time our strength helps us in terms of like as a community like you know when you see another black girl and you just bigger up like you know like Mm. yes come here come shoes well you know what I mean I love it like Mm. I love when we kind of big each other up and I think there's nothing like that black female solidarity when it's there it's just a sisterhood that just cannot really be broken like you know my black friends that I have all my friends that I have but my black female friends that I have like it's just that sisterhood is 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 there for life really Mm. um because you go through so many similar challenges simply because you're black 
So I definitely, mm. I love that. I love that we, so, so vain, but we can do so much of our hair. We can do so much. You know what I mean? Like even our hair, the way that we, we are policed about our hair, but we actually have made it such a unique thing. Everything we do, you know, often duplicated every single time, but you know, yeah. We are the originators. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> a lot of stuff that you see on the runway, a lot of stuff you see in magazines is ripped off the black female community. So I definitely, mm-hmm. I just love being black. I love being a black woman. And it's taken me a while to get to the point to feel comfortable to say that. Like, I think mm. I didn't always have that feeling. Um, mm. and, and, and we're definitely going to explore those different facets during this season mm. but I definitely didn't always have that feeling and it's now as I'm in my 30s that actually yeah I'm really comfortable and I love it I love it yeah what about you as a black man like what do you love about being black I think what I love about being black um being a black man is the strength uh that we have and we hold we have such a powerful magic that I don't think there is it is unexplainable like I just don't necessarily think you can't bottle it you can't sell it you can't describe it you don't know the ingredients like we are just magical um in every way shape or form I think our uh, resilience I think I'm happy I love the resilience that I have considering that you know when we are born we're born um you know behind our peers Mm. so you know we're always going to be on the back foot so we really have to and all the struggles that we've had like I think that's definitely taught me quite a lot of resilience I love how vibrant how energetic uh, we are the culture um some people will tell me to say that we're a little bit loud (laughs) I disagree I think we're a little bit balanced still um yeah just just how dynamic we are in our approach our expression as well and I think that's what it is I think dynamic in thought and expression and feeling mm-hmm. um I think quite similar to you when you're talking about the black female experience you know your your strength as 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 a, as a, as, a, as a population sometimes is is a positive but it has been your weakness because mm-hmm. actually people think actually black women can just take it take it and you yeah. have taken it for quite some time yeah. I definitely think that that is quite their similarities for a black man because I think for a black man although we are strong we don't necessarily talk about how we feel Mm. we don't cry Mm. um and we don't necessarily show emotion because showing emotion would be considered as weak um but you know what I think I'm so grateful that I have um that I'm at the age right now where I can really cherish all those different emotions and Mm feel comfortable to display those emotions yeah. um, with my loved ones, with my peers. Um, sometimes I go back into the kind of like, you know what, do not like, shut up, straighten up your jacket, <laughs> don't show any emotion. But yeah, that's what I love um, mm. about being a black man. Love it. That's what I love about being a black man. Oh, look at us. I love know. it. Um, another question for you again, yeah. just to kind of like, just to explore the scene a little bit. So, yeah. you know, what, what battles do you have within yourself on a daily basis um, or what are the biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome in yourself? I think, and it, and this is in relation to obviously with my blackness as a as a as a person. Yeah, with your blackness, I think I realise that I might have just answered two questions in no, one. So I, we're going to break this down into two questions. Right, <laughs> like, no, you can have a cheat. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, yeah I think it's actually um, the biggest obstacle is realizing that I am equal to, sometimes better than. Um, my peers as yeah. a black woman and that actually that that has been a quite a, a struggle for quite a long time something I really had to unpick in therapy when I went because I have I suffer from imposter syndrome um most people do I mean it's not just a racial thing but I definitely absolutely suffer from imposter syndrome um and that actually came out of I, I realized what the trigger for that situation was was actually when I was uh going to university and applying for fashion school and um, you have to have your portfolios out on the table. And I was really proud of my portfolio. You know, I'd worked hard on it. And uh, the lecturer, or the, the head of course director, she was one looking at them. So they look at your portfolios individually and then you go into the room and then, you know, they talk to you. And I went into the room. I've not told many people this story, but I went into the room and she, you know, she's like, well, why do you want to study fashion? And I was like, oh, well, I, I love it. And, you know, I'm really interested in it. You know, you give your usual spiel and why you why you mm. really want to do it and what you, your future holds. 
And she's just sort of not even looking at me as I was talking. She was just flicking through my portfolio, flicking, mm. going back forth. You can tell when someone's not impressed and not um, just not doesn't see what you can offer. And she mm. was like, to be honest, I really just don't see it. And I was like, uh, see, wow. see it. She said, I, I don't see it. When I look at you and I look at your work, I don't see fashion. Like, let me show you what what I expect to see from someone who really loves fashion. And she took me to a, a white peers folder and showed wow. me uh, his folder. The, the guy actually ended up being in my class, funny enough, and he was a, a nice guy. But um, this is what I expect to see. And I just burst into tears because I was like, well, this is something that I've, since I was 11, I've been drawing sketches and always wanting to do this. And she basically made me beg for my place on my course. Mm. I basically begged and said, like, I'll prove myself. But from that moment onwards, it definitely, that triggered the imposter syndrome. Because it was not, It mm. was never something I ever suffered with before. As I said I, in um, our previous episode, episode, I went to a black high school or black sanctuary school, mm. mostly black, predominantly black South London um, high school. And my college, again, I was around black peers. I have always done well, very well academically like smashed my GCSEs, did well my A-levels. I never really struggled academically. So for me, it was, and and that's, and I never had, I was never in that situation where I was institutionally in a racist institution, sorry, that made me feel like I was not going to succeed with my academic ability. My teachers, yeah. black or white, had always pushed me and always told me, you're going to do well. Some even told me to apply for Oxford. I just didn't want to go to Oxford. I said I wouldn't do fashion. So when you're there and and someone's telling you, they don't see it. That was like the first crushing blow, especially when she took me to a white peers folder that I was like, mm. whoa. Okay. Now you got to understand mm. like um, for a lot of black kids, and I think we're going to explore this more in the, in the work sector. So I won't touch on it too much, but if you're mm. from a working class or poorer areas, you often don't have access to the same academic and art facilities as someone who maybe is a middle, in a middle class or wealthy um, area where their families can take them to museums and exhibitions, paid exhibitions every weekend, can buy them Vogue magazine or every weekend if you want to. I was working part-time in retail, you know, supporting mm. myself, paying for my travel, et cetera. And so I, I couldn't always afford to get all those fashion things. I'd buy my one Vogue and that's like, I'm going to read it because it's expensive. I can't buy loads of them. I can't go to every exhibition. So it's kind of like, even in that moment, even if academically on paper, I was going to be successful, she couldn't see it for whatever reason. Mm. And I felt like my skin colour, me being black, me being from a certain area was holding me back. Like people were judging me on that. Yeah. And so that continued with me throughout adulthood. It's now not something I deal with so much because I said I had to unpick that in therapy. But um, it's something that followed me for a very long time and I've, I've, I've overcome it. But I do have moments where I'm a bit shaky and I'm like, I can't, I, do, I just can't do it. No, mm. like I'm going to fail. And that is just simply because I feel like the glass ceiling is is there for a lot of people in the workplace. But for black people, sometimes it's like there's a concrete roof before you can even get to the glass ceiling. I'm so glad you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> I'm so glad you hit the nail on the head. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm so glad you hit the nail on the head because, you know, I think there's definitely similarities in what you're talking about. Mm. I think, you know, everyone suffers from some sort of imposter syndrome. I think for me, I think, yeah, you know, what the battles that I have to, you know, overcome, what battles I have with myself on a daily basis is sometimes I need to wake up and tell myself, you are the baddest bitch in the motherfucking <laughs> game. Like, do not let anybody else tell you. I have to do positive affirmation because sometimes if I don't do that on a daily basis or think about that in, in the shower or when I'm getting ready to work or putting in a mm -hmm. song that gives me that, I walk in there and sometimes I can feel like a shell of a uh, of a human or of a black mm. man just because they're so sometimes it's very heavy mm. I feel being a black man mm -hmm. um and especially from a work capacity I think that you know what I feel that I have to work twice as hard yeah twice as hard for in comparison to my white peers to even be have a seat at that table mm-hmm mm -hmm. Unfortunately, um, I, I don't, and this is no shade to my current employer, um, 
However, I think just generally throughout my whole professional career, I've had to work twice as hard to even have a seat at the table. And even when you get a seat at the table, it's not good enough. So there's been Mm -hmm. moments in my career where I've been really trying to break through the glass ceiling, get to that next level, really. And it's not even get to the next level from a perspective of, um, you know what, look at me, I'm the poster boy. I think for me, it's more of like, you know what, when I set my mind to it, I'm like, nothing, there's no such word as can't. Mm. My uncle always used to say this to me. There's no such word as can't. You can do it. It's either you choose not to do it. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, it depends. And if I physically can't do it, I can't do it. Right? <laughs> but like, no such word as can't. So I always have kind of like that um, that, that, that narrative in my head mm-hmm. that's going, that's playing out. Um, and for me, I'm really trying to hit to that glass ceiling and get through the glass ceiling. But actually sometimes I'm just like, it's just a brick wall. Yeah. And no matter what you do and what avenues you take, you try to go left, you try to go right, you do a little U-turn in the road, you go around the roundabout, driving up the M25, mm-hmm. you're, you're still like stopped by obstacles. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, like that sometimes like, yeah, my inner uh, critic and the imposter syndrome is just like, you know what, you might as well just give up, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Why are you blowing at your back? Just go and do something like, you know, just bog standard, really excel in it. Don't try to get to the next yeah. level. Don't try to do anything differently, etc. So I think from a daily perspective, that is something that I always need to, I constantly have to remind mm-hmm. myself, like, you know what, like you are worth it. Yeah. Um, and I think that again, and maybe that is probably the biggest, the biggest obstacle I think for me that I've had to overcome uh, in myself is believing that I am worth it, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and equally being comfortable with my own skin as mm-hmm. well. Being really comfortable in who I am, flaws and all, um, who I am, bit rough, bit ready, and it'll be authentic as well, because yeah. I do feel that society wants us to fit we need to behave in a particular type of way to be accepted and I'm not necessarily down for that Mm. um so I think yeah that's probably been the biggest thing or the obstacle I've had to overcome with Mm -hmm. myself actually just appreciating who I am as an individual and my authentic self so yeah no for sure I love it Oh God. <laughs> so I, I'm gonna ask, deep, it? No. <laughs> I'm gonna come to you now with another question okay um so I just I guess obviously we're talking about ourselves and we're talking about how well, the things that we're overcoming in ourselves and good things bad yeah. things etc but what about within the black community because when we're thinking about ourselves in terms of ourself versus the other races right but what yeah, about yeah. ourself? within the black mm-hmm. community because I often yeah. feel like there's an expectation you 100%. are supposed to behave a certain way whether it's culturally whether it's racially and that's inside and outside of the community so it's like going to work and make sure you don't shame up yourself and you need to be you know because you're black you're representing the black race you know but inside the community it's all right to, to if you're not turning up enough, if you're not whatever, then you're 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 a pussy. You're weak. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know for sure, absolutely. So how, especially as as a gay man as well, how yeah. have you defined or chosen not to define yourself within the black community? That's a deep question. Oh, Latoya, why are you doing this to me? <laughs> God. I know. So the question was, how have I decided to define myself or not define myself in the back community? Yes. Okay, cool. Um, I don't even know if it's going to make any sense, but I'm going to give it a go anyway. Mm-hmm. Listen, I'm me. Ain't no one is going to be another you at Gordon Campbell. No one. <laughs> I'm not going to be another person. Everyone is all individual. So I think everyone needs to find their own way. I feel that from, I have been, re- I have been rejected in the past from mm-hmm. our community based on my sexuality. I think I get rejected even now to this mm-hmm. day. And I think growing up when, you know, as a young boy, when you're trying, when you know that you're different, you really know that you're different. And you're trying to navigate through and work out, these are the feelings that I have and it's towards men. Um, and I'm trying to seek counsel from home, but I'm not getting that from home. I'm trying to seek counsel from my community, but I'm not getting a community. You can feel super isolated and super lost. Mm. So I think in that moment, and I think if I'm honest, and I think I have touched upon it in previous episodes as well, um, a lot of my childhood I was quite, I felt quite alone. Mm -hmm. So in my head, I've kind of like, 
unfortunately, I've just defined myself that I am a little bit of an individual, so I'm just going to go off and do my own fucking thing. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I'm not going to answer to anybody. I don't need to answer to anybody. No one don't pay my bills. No one's going to put the clothes on my back. Like, so I am going to do what I want to do. Um, I still think it does definitely affect me by not like feeling that I fit in to uh, the black community. Mm. Um, but I think like the question is, I think I just define myself and it's my journey. Like no one else, no one's going to walk in my shoes mm-hmm. because you can stand up there and beg friend and want to add it to this and be part of this community. But the community is not necessarily accepting you. And when I say not accepting, I'm not, I am accepted, but like, you know, there's some people in our community that's not necessarily going to sure. accept me as mm-hmm. a, as a, as a gay black man. Um, it's, 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 it's kind of their loss in it. Like, that's like, it. fuck it. Do you know what I mean? But that's a really good question because I don't even think I actually answered that question. No, you did. No, (laughs) you did. That was very hard. No, you answered it really well because obviously I'm asking you (laughs) from the perspective of, especially as a gay man, like I think for me it is, I'm I'm coming from from a different perspective, but as an African, right? Because I grew up in an African household, but it was not the traditional, as I said um, in previous episodes, my dad's not in my life. I have a stepdad. I have half sisters. We all lived in the house together, et cetera. Um, You know, it was struggle. There was times of struggle, et cetera. But my mom has never been what I say, um, traditionally African. There's some things Mm. that she is quite African about, like, you know, you must go to university but she never really cared what degree I chose. She was like, you can do, and that's very unheard of. Your mum's letting you do mm-hmm. a fashion degree. What? Like, my sister has got a creative degree as well. No issue. She's not in that way. So sometimes I felt a bit left out with my mm-hmm. African peers, peers from other countries when they're talking about yeah. parents so strict and this, that. And my mum really wasn't. She was strict to a point but she wasn't giving me beatdowns. Like you hear some people telling you the story, like the belt was chasing out. Like I think I can remember any time that I got a slap from my mum when I was misbehaving. And I have to say, Mm. it wasn't like a regular occurrence, but there was, there was, there was an element of respect in our household. You don't disrespect your your mum. So sometimes I felt a bit left out, you know, as long as I feel a bit left out, Mm. because I'm the only Ghanaian in the village. There's not a lot of us. There wasn't a lot of them in my college. It was mostly mm. Nigerian, Nigerians, and I love Nigerians, but I, I have a completely different culture. So actually, sometimes mm. I felt really left out, and that sounds so dumb, but I just felt a bit like, oh, I can't really, because what I, I do love about Nigerian cultures, they really rally together, and they have so much uh, commonality, despite whatever tribe they're in. I feel like it just as a community, it's quite vibrant. And I, I, yeah. yeah, I couldn't find like many Ghanaians to do this with. So I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like the only one. Um, and I think that did affect me a little bit because I, I don't have any Ghanaian friends. That's quite sad. I have yeah. no Ghanaian friends. So I have a disconnect from my, um, the Ghanaian community in a sense, even though now I live in an mm. area where there's a lot of Ghanaians, I still don't have that much connection to it, other than obviously mm. through my mum and through the visits I've made to Ghana. I hope to make more. Come on, let's lift them lockdown restrictions properly. Come on. But I'd like to, yeah. <laughs> come on. Um, you know, I really wanted to go this year. Um, but anyway, um, I really want to go back and make that connection. But yeah, sometimes I felt a bit of a disconnect in terms of like how, african i was and that i'm just too british and i felt that that and then in some ways as well even when you're british when i went to secondary school it was mostly actually caribbean girls like mostly jamaican girls and so Mm. african girls were like a minority like minority nigerians minority ghanaians Mm. definitely i think i was the only Ghanaian, not the only Ghanaian in my year but i think in my class (laughs) but anyway um and, and that also caused like a disconnect because obviously the historical beef between we know we know the historical beef between we know yeah Jamaica versus Nigeria <laughs> basically <laughs> let's do this let's call a spade a spade but um, yeah, yeah Caribbeans and Africans there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of history there sometimes it's not always positive but yeah at that point in time you know them times in school like it was it was even worse so yeah. you're like I think. I wasn't embarrassed to be African, but I definitely know there were some girls who were embarrassed to be African. I don't think they admit it to this day. I'm not going to call out no names, but I definitely know they were. And some people were trying to denounce and trying to say that they were half this and half that. You ain't. You're that baby girl. You're not. You're not. You're not. You're 100%. Stop it. Af- yeah, no, African. Agreed. You know what I mean? So I think yeah. 
<laughs> I mean, I never did that, but I know that some people did. Some people were trying to deny. Okay, then. All right. Um, yeah. So it's very, it was very, and it also is quite strange to me as well, because there were like some Jamaican girls who were really cast African, like proper casting Africans. And, and some of them, like, you know, you're going out with, were you one of them? Going out with African boys. Well, listen, I wouldn't tell you to say I was one of those that, you know, started cutting out Africa. But listen, it's very interesting when you get into kind of like the culture of, yeah, when you're talking about like Caribbeans, excuse me, and obviously Africans as well. Because I think everybody, every black person who's listening to the podcast, whether you are African, from the Caribbean, whatever, you know the drill already. We know. Right. However... I think that, you know what, I think it was an ingrained thing Absolutely. from Daphne McKenzie, my good, good grandmother, hanging up in my, in my living room right now. <laughs> Daphne McKenzie was always said to my mother, Doreen, you best make sure you're not bring on an African man, you know? Mm. Nobody bring on an African man from me. Yeah. So I think by her literally telling my mum that, my mum's like, mm. Africans, she'll never admit it now. I know she's going to listen to this podcast. She's going to be dying. Right? <laughs> she's going to be listening to this episode. But she, she, I think it was an ingrained thing. It's I like agree. a registry kind of like thing. So I think, you know, when I went into school, I, I used to be cussing 24-7. But not cussing, like being like really derogative, just like cussing. No, <laughs> just in do general. You know what? I think a lot of people did. And just like you're saying about your grandma, listen, I think most in most African households, they can say yeah. that their parents... Jambo, their grand- Jambo. Ja- yeah. yeah, No, Jambo. Yeah, Jambo. Yeah, you don't want... Jambo. Oh, was it Jamo? Jamo. I thought Jambo. Oh, it could be Jambo oh, too. Jambo. Mad. Okay. But, you know, it was like, it's the same thing. So it's like... Look at us building bridges. Building bridges. In this podcast. Connecting <laughs> the continents. Um, but yeah, like, I, yeah. So definitely I think that in terms of community, but I, I, it's very interesting, isn't it? Because it's things that are ingrained yeah. into our families that... Um, 100%. That, try, that, that carry on generationally. It's, it's actually up to us to break that. Um, mm. Because, yeah, you know, upon reflection, you know, I, I'm sure I heard my mum say when I was younger that she did not want me to marry a Jamaican. Now she, she loves them, but um, I'm pretty sure she definitely <laughs> said it when I was younger. So... Um, that's terrible, isn't it? But I think, I think any... I think on both sides, I'm sure everyone's household has said something, you know. It's, yeah, no, 100%. It's pretty terrible. 100%. But yeah, we can move on swiftly <laughs> from that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But you know, you're talking about kind of like the struggles that you feel that you have on a daily basis, yes. right? And like, you know, do you feel that those are just normal struggles that everybody else has? So for example, our white and our Asian peers, mm-hmm. Because I, I, I was just thinking about this, I was like, you know what? You feel a particular type of way, and this is how you feel. Okay, cool. Is it heightened because of the color of your skin, or are you just like dramatizing it for no reason? Like, is there a difference? Because you know, everything that we're talking about in terms of like the, the inner, um, you know, the inner saboteur, the inner critic, like you know, everyone goes through that. And I, I know we've only touched upon it briefly, but there's so many. Uh, there's such an added layer of complexity mm-hmm. in terms of the struggles that we go through. Um, is is I think I already know what the answer is going to be, but like, do you feel that is any different? Is it just what normal people, what normal peer or our peer groups go through, or do you think that there's a massive difference? I think so. Coming from the viewpoint of women, a woman, sorry, there's some things that all women will go through. So all women will be sexually probably probably unfortunately be sexually harassed at some point in their lifetime simply yeah. because they're a woman it doesn't matter whether she's wearing a hijab it doesn't matter whether she's wearing a bikini it, it doesn't matter if someone's going to sexually harass you they're going to and that's because you're a woman mm. but there is an added complexity with the skin color and i think that that the struggles that some people talk about in terms of like you know my peers are from other racial groups as women I'm like god I wish I even had that because mine is 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 even more intense Mm. than what you're thinking so for example Mm. they could be thinking um you know about a job that they'd like to go for and it might be a case of just simply oh I don't think I have the right degree they might not employ me anyway but I'm gonna I'm gonna apply and I could be thinking well I've got the right degree but when they see my name on the application form, they're going to reject it straight away because of my surname. Yeah. And that's simply just 
there's there's different struggles and that's not to diminish what any other racial group is going through I'm just speaking from my experience that the struggles that I feel like I've gone through sometimes I feel like it'd be a lot easier if I was just a white male because I just it becomes so draining to be so strong all the time or you know like times where you've been I've been overlooked at work and I've worked really not in my current job I'd like to explicitly say that my bosses are great in my current job I'm talking about in previous jobs but I have felt Mm. um overlooked um Mm. you know just general dog's body being spoken to like shit um you know and I'm not gonna call out those people and say they're being racist but I definitely will say that um you're gonna deny giving me a pay rise while I'm doing two people's jobs and the person whose job I'm covering they're swanning about you know doing part-time, doing whatever it is that they're doing and giving me all the dog's body shit work to do and you don't want to give me a pay rise. But mm. that's not fair because if it's not about length of time, like I can give an example, right? And I'm not trying to call out that employer, but I worked for somebody and I was recommended for the role by um, someone that um, um, higher up than me, right? Yeah. So they recommended me and said, look, Latoya's really good, blah, blah. So, you know, they took me on for the job. And immediately the woman that I was working under, um, she felt threatened. I don't give a shit. She was threatened because I was coming there with a degree and she didn't have one. So because she didn't have one, she thought maybe I'm trying to come for your job. I'm not trying to come for your job. I'm just trying to take the skills that I need and then maybe bounce. I'm not interested. Now, everything that I suggested, everything I did, it was always a bit like, "Mm, well, you're not really sure. And I'm like, hold on a second. I have retrained. I've gone to university and I'm starting this on a, on a bottom tier job. So it's okay. I'm not going to kill myself, but I've worked before this. And also the funny thing is mm. we are both the same age. Now, why I feel like race was like a, a factor in this is because there was another girl who worked there who was um, Chinese and mm. she was a hard worker too. Very lovely girl. Um, but they always kind of diminished how she felt like, Oh, well she's like this because she's, um, She's from, because she wasn't English. She wasn't British, sorry. She was Chinese, mm. but from a European country. And she's like this because she's from there. How can you say that? So, so you're already mm. marginalizing my struggle because of my race. This is, I just find it really astonishing that um, I still have to go through that. And that really yeah. stresses me out. And then also, also things like, you know, the way you look and the way you dress and even like if you're looking a certain way oh how Beyonce oh my god so Beyonce's the only black person on this planet it's like just stop it do you know what I mean just stop it it's just (laughs) and again as I said it's not all the people it's not people that I know personally so just in case there's any white people listening that I know I'm not talking about you because if I was talking about you you know I'm talking about you because I tell you I'm not talking about you I'm talking about people that I've come across <laughs> no I would tell them but it's, it's people that this is in the past you know I don't surround myself with people like that anymore even if even if it's people that I work with I refuse to engage in it mm-hmm. so like it's, it's this is previous places I've been in and it's like how Beyonce and it's just like it's so boring like when you change your hair and you come in it's like Oh, oh, you've changed your hair again. Oh, I wish I could. You can change it too. Go to PAX in Finsbury Park. They've got a whole load of wigs. Pick up what you want. And get it popping. Uh, literally, <laughs> 100%. Yeah, yeah. So I know yeah. these struggles might sound very trivial, but can you imagine like day in, day out? Like it's so yeah. draining, even like how your attitude is perceived. If you're angry, it's oh you're not even angry you're trying to express yourself and it's like oh you're angry you're feisty oh she's very moody it's all these kind of negative words that are thrown out that are really stressful because I feel like a, a white woman could cry in the office and I, I wouldn't want to cry in the office because I feel like I, I wouldn't it's so weird isn't it so ingrained that I wouldn't want people to know that I was weak because I'm so worried mm-hmm. about how people perceive me as a black woman. So I'd rather mm. keep up the rude, facey attitude, if that's what you want from me, rather than me bursting mm. into tears in front of you. Because, yeah, I don't know. It's just... I think it's kind of like a pride thing as well. Yes. It, it might be. I mean, I'm, I don't want to talk for your experience, but I think it's definitely a pride thing for me. Like, I'm just saying, you know, I'm not going to give you the satisfaction. So, you know what, let me just detach. Mm-hmm. And when I detach and step back, then, oh my God, you, it's aloof. Mm-hmm. Um, we know he's in conflict mm-hmm. um, everyone understands and I'm not going to lie when I'm not happy everyone knows about it but I'm not going to change who I am mm. because I'm not happy yeah. I don't I, I don't act any I, I'm professional I you know I try to I just go very 
very quiet and that's when they know that things are not not going mm. to, to plan but yeah no I absolutely I think you almost like you know I'm not going to give you the satisfaction to, to make you know that you've upset me oh yeah or I feel a particular type of way oh yeah 100% but I think it's quite interesting I know that you you know you mentioned about no, he asked you the question, actually, is it very different in comparison to us being black in comparison to our peers? And, you know, as you're talking in the examples that you're raising, I, I, again, I just think, yeah, it's mad. It is very, very different mm. because I think that in society and the media has portrayed the particular demographics to behave and be a certain type of way yeah. or this is what the perception is. So, for example, East Asian, great workers here to serve great at maths mm. let's, open, let's be open and honest it's now true. great at maths south asians again great workers here open up lots of shops they're not necessarily that is the perception mm. right black okay aggressive mm-hmm. lazy don't pay for their things mm-hmm. they'll be they'll be teeth in mm-hmm. that's that's what it is so of course like when we go into and i know again we'll talk about getting into the working environment but yeah. of course i think that we're absolutely at a disadvantage yes yeah. um and then if you really know that that is what the image of what you are, that that's the image that the media is portraying of you, of course you're going to feel a particular way. And of course that, that plays in your psyche. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's just massively, yeah, that's very, very interesting. It could even be as simple as like, even now to this day as a big woman, I hate going into a shop because I don't want people to think I'm stealing. I am 35 years old and I yeah. still have that in my head, especially sometimes when, sometimes when I've got the buggy. I don't want anyone, because, you know, lockdown, we've all relaxed our looks, you know what I mean? I, I'm not every day snatched. Sometimes I'm in jogging bottoms, trainers, the mum uniform, and I'm, I need to go to the supermarket. So, you know, I literally don't even want them to think I'm stealing. Yeah. that That is literally how it's in my head, that why is the security mm. guard following me? They're following me yeah. around the shop because they think I'm going to steal something. Yeah. And that's so dumb because I'm a big woman. I don't, I'm not going to steal anything, but they have that perception that that is what mm. you're going to be doing. Like you said, because of what the mm-hmm. media portray- portrays. Oh, mm-hmm. how ridiculous. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Um, I was going to ask you as well about going against what it means to be black. So I know you already touched on it already because you said like mm-hmm. rejected because of your sexuality. But in terms of like, our identity being wrapped up in what people think of us. Like, for example, right, and my sister's, sister's going to kill me, but I'm going to mention her because my sister loves rock music. She loves rock music. Linkin Park. Oh, my God. Yes. I love Linkin, Linkin Park. Linkin Park, are, yeah. they are the shit, though. So Linkin yeah. Park, I love Linkin Park. Well, the bait tunes, as my sister says, but I do like them. Um, but, like, uh, Avenged Sevenfold and... I can't even name them, but my sister has got like that. She loves rock, right? And it was such a taboo yeah. for her to like rock in school. And as I mean, yeah. she, I think she's been to concerts and shit. I was like, all right, yeah. okay. Um, you know, she was into it. And I think I'm not gonna speak for her, but I definitely feel like um people were making such a big deal about her liking 100%. rock music. Yeah. I mean, I like a little bit of cold play. Uh, well, Coldplay's not really rock. No, no, no. But yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, any of the other wigs and stat checks can come up in here. Latoya said Coldplay's rock. No. I would say no. Coldplay's rock. But okay, to... we moved. What I'm trying to say is there are musical genres that I enjoyed. Yeah. I think, um, I don't think so. It's not, I don't care now. We're older, right? But I think back in the day, you turned down the volume. You know, you wouldn't be listening too loud to it out loud because people are going to have something to say. So, I mean, what what does it mean to go against the grain to be black? Because what would you say is like the antithesis of what a black male should be in society? What do I think a black male should be? No, so what is the exact opposite of that? Like, what is... So you've got your stereotypical black male. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, okay, cool. The complete opposite is what you described. It's going to be, you know what, someone who is um, listens to rock, 
doesn't eat any sort of like spicy food at all, <laughs> goes to Glastonbury festivals. <laughs> it's true. I'm just going to tell you, say it is. Goes to Glastonbury festivals. Yeah. Um, you know what? Doesn't necessarily like, you know, has quite a lot of white friends. Mm. Um, those are just some things that come off the top of my head. But you know what's really interesting is there similarities in your sister's experience to mine. Ah. Like, actually, I like, but this is, the, this is the killer as well, because actually, I think, yeah, I listen to Linkin Park. Yeah. I don't listen to Coldplay. Linkin Park... <laughs> Red Hot Chili Peppers, some yeah. might argue that it's not rock, but I think it's rock. Yeah. I would tell them to say No Doubt is pop rock, but I love, no, I love doubt no Doubt as well. A punk rock band. Anybody who knows about the Distillers with Brody Armstrong, oh, yeah. that is punk rock epic. Like, wayo, wayo. <laughs> oh my God, the Coral Fang, the album's epic, right? I used to listen to those when I was younger. I used to go to Glastonbury, but I swear down a lot of, swear down, swear down. Swear down. Ooh, look at me going back in the day. Yeah, look right? at me. Um, but I swear to God, like, I think that when people say, you go to Glastonbury, so what, do you not wash for like five days? Like, the Glastonbury is oh. kind of like a white festival. So, so fast forward 10 years later, I beg every single heterosexual black man is wishing he went to Glastonbury, mm-hmm. match off his face rolling around mm-hmm. on the grass. I'm like, darling, I've been there, done that 14 years ago. Good night. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So it was quite interesting. 100%. I used to be kind of like that 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 guy that used to go to like the weird and quirky thing. But these times there, I used to skin out and skin out to Bashman. So I think a lot of them were a little bit confused as mm-hmm. well. So a lot of girls that get in my, in my secondary school were a little bit like, okay, but you at really does like bashment, but he does like rock, but he does like to go to festivals. I mean, yeah, when I was second school, I really, really, really wasn't going to festivals. Did I go to Reading? Can't remember. No, never been to Reading. Mm. But Glastonbury, like a lot of the guys in college was just like, that's just, it's a little bit of a mixed mashup. Mm. And that's the reason why going back to the original point as of, you know what, I'm not going to let somebody define who I am. This is who I am. Yeah. Um, so no, I get that. It's, it's, it's nuts because you are definitely judged if you don't fall into the category before your own community. If you don't listen to bashment music, if you don't go to, let's say, Afro Nation. What am I going to Afro Nation for? Yeah, it's not I mean, I know that the lineup looks banging. It though. does. Sometimes the lineup's banging. But I don't want to go to the Afro Nation. Mm-mm. I don't. With beefcake, like, all lookalikes <laughs> from Blue Therapy, Blue Therapy. and Debra's. Um, <laughs> I'm all right, thanks. Um, but yeah, no, I absolutely, um, I can empathise in a lot of the experience that you're talking about, your sister's experience, that definitely resonates. For sure. With, for sure. I mean, only, yeah. the only black male that I, I, I got a question whether they're in, um, whether they go against the grain or not, are the ones that relax their hair, because that one right there. Oh, Latoya, just let the man relax his hair. It's his hair. What is the problem? If the man want to look like s let him look like s If he wants to kind of like, if he wants to engage with, you know, like, um, what do you call it? Paris is burning back in the day on the ballroom scene. Let him do that. Let him do a jerry curl. Let him do an s It's his hair. It ain't your hair. Leave him. Leave him. I've I'm not even going to lie, you know. You know, I tried to do a bit of an s oh, well, back in the day. I was going to say. Horribly wrong. Because okay. them chemicals are really damaging. Uh, Latoya, I left it on for too long. Oh no! It yeah, the hair was a mess. <laughs> it was a mess. <laughs> it looked like I got electrocuted, bro. Like the hair was frazzled, <laughs> dry. It was popped down. It was a mess. So I was one of those boys that was trying to experiment with the escal. But leave the man, man. If the okay. man wanted to do a look at escal gel ting, so what? Uh, I'm sorry, I'll leave them alone. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> we're we really we're really going into it today. So, um, yeah. So, stories about like yourself and when you were younger. Um, oh, yeah. What you were doing to kind of fit in? Yeah, with what you thought was the society, it's society yeah. norm. Yeah, no, for sure. So, I think for me, like, I really struggled with like who being black when I was a child. I really did. I think that you know, my mum was dark skin. It was interesting because my nan's fair. Both of my aunties are fair. My mum's dark skin. My sister's fairer than me. My cousins are fairer than me. Like I was very, I was the only dark skin boy. So I think I really struggled with accepting like how dark I was. And I think when I was growing up, like as I think we mentioned in part one around, you know, like being fairer skinned is considered palatable. Um, I think everyone could appreciate that as well. Like everyone knows that that was the situation back in the day. Mm. I think that, um, 
I really didn't like the color of my skin. I really didn't like my facial features. I had a really big nose, really big lips. I remember when I was younger, I used to come in from school and I used to stand in front of the mirror and literally squeeze my nose together as hard as I possibly could because I want to make it like straighter. And I think my cousin, um, I hope she's not following me on Instagram, but you know what? It's fine. My cousin, one of my cousins had a uh, nose job. Because oh. her nose never looked like that before. Um, and she was like amazing. And uh, Lemis, not you. Um, she was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, oh my God, that, that's what it looks like. That's what beauty looks like. And I think obviously the rise of magazines and stuff like that. Like, I just, yeah, really didn't appreciate like what it looks like. I think I was bullied quite hard mm. um, when I was in primary school um, around the complexion of my skin and my facial features. And I think it was even more heartbreaking that it came from our community. Mm. So, it wasn't even from my white peers it wasn't even from my Asian peers it was from my own community so I really struggled to accept this is what I looked like and who I was and I think going into like high school and then equally college and being introduced into the scene and I know I've touched upon this in part one of this episode mm-hmm. um a lot of guys are starting to bleach their skin and I, for, for a moment I consider bleaching my skin you know wow yeah, I really considered bleaching my skin. I was just like, maybe things would just be a little bit more easier mm-hmm. if I was a little bit lighter. A, because I think I would just look a little bit more attractive. Like, I think I mentioned in the previous episode, well, are men going to be able to see me, like, in the club with yeah. the lights off? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, I really considered, like, bleaching my skin. Um, and then I don't really know what kind of stopped me. I don't know all the research, the cake soap. Listen, I can walk down to Pax and go and get the cake soap now. Right. I don't really know what stopped me. Um in doing that but yeah I really struggled with my facial feature I didn't like what I what I saw in the mirror um that's actually quite sad isn't it oh, you know God. what I think it's quite a rite of passage Lord. or it's quite deep it's quite a rite of passage not a rite mm. of passage but I think a lot of um especially dark skin young kids go through I mean I'm sure fairer skin kids can also go through similar especially if they don't have you could be light skinned but not have Eurocentric features if that makes sense and that could make mm-hmm. you question how you look but I mean, similar to you, and I was going to talk about it a bit later, but I, you know, I was talking about this with my husband a couple of months ago, because just with the whole stuff that happened last year with George, George Floyd and just everything just around blackness was really in conversation, really heavy yeah. on my mind. Just remembering like, you know, when I was a child and stuff, like, you know, me and my sister were cute. We were cute kids, you know, my mom, I think she produced quite cute children. And... um I went to a primary school with a girl who, I mean, I used to say she was my cousin, but she wasn't really. They're just like old family friends. You know, like your two, the two nans are friends and then the kids become friends and then they've had the kids. So she was in my class and her mum and my mum were quote unquote friends. And um, this woman now as an adult, when I think about it, she was horrible. She really gave me self-esteem issues that I didn't really realise. So I'm 10, 11 years old. I'd never really had an issue with my nose. I was so small. Anyway, you don't really think about it when you're that age. And she started Mm. calling me flat nose, pig nose. Um, Yeah, this is a grown woman who, yeah, she used to tease me. And mum would just be like, oh, just ignore her. Don't listen to her, whatever. But then, like... I don't know how it got out to people in my class, but then obviously when people start to tease you, you have arguments, they'll call you flat Mm. nose as well. And it gave me such a complex about my nose because I was like, I didn't like, we don't really have like massive bridges in our house, in our family. Like, you know, my daughter's nose is my nose as well. She's got my same nose. Ain't no hiding that Negro nose. Um, (laughs) She's got the same nose. Um, But yeah, like I don't hate my nose or anything now, but when I was growing up, I was like, oh, like it is a bit bigger than everyone else's or it is a bit wider. Um, Like, the pinching your nose thing like I would stand in the mirror and just like pinch it to see what it would look like if it was a bit smaller like what could they yeah like what my nostrils look like if it was just a little bit further in or yeah just a little bit like more higher um would I look more pretty because like I saw girls like in my year in especially in secondary school like the really pretty girls everyone deemed as really pretty had like really perfect noses I felt at that time Mm. and my nose was just wasn't like that I didn't mind anything else about my face but my nose I was like because that woman gave me such a complex but now that I'm an yeah now that I'm an adult I just think oh she was jealous because 
no shade, but my mum's kids were cuter than hers. Sorry, no, no offense. Like, and <laughs> they were like we were cute kids, and like I, that that one I'm not going to deny because it's true. We were cute kids, mm. and so I feel like that is some sort of. Some people can just be jealous. Like I do feel like people can be jealous and, but they're not expressing it in the way that you would think jealousy would come out, you know, especially in the black community. Mm. Cause sometimes people could be going on about your nose, going on about your lips. But where is that coming from? Is that learned behavior from adults who've been told the same thing and then it's expressed onto our children. So I have made a very conscious effort to make sure that I'm not going to be doing that to my, my child. Though I'm not going to lie because of the, 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 those comments that she made when I was a child, when I was pregnant, yeah. I was thinking, oh my God, what is her nose going to look like? Is it going to look like mine? <laughs> no, I'm not going to lie. I don't think my husband knows that. I was like, oh my God, what is her nose going to look like? Because I don't want her to get yeah. picked on. Like, you know, but I don't think now that would, ha that would happen as much, but I don't know. I'm not in a primary school, so... Yeah, no, I, don't, I to be fair, if I'm honest, I mean, yeah, you are right. I'm I'm not a primary school teacher, I'm not in primary school, but I don't necessarily think that will happen as much as it did like when we were growing yeah. up. Because I don't, I think it's, there's so many, we've got so many mixes now. There's so, I think there's, a, there's, um, there's more appreciation for different cultures and different mixes. So I think it's almost like just the norm. Mm -hmm. um, but touching upon like, you know, I know that we mentioned it, I mentioned it in the previous ep episode, the, the, uh, the concept and the importance of positive affirmation for yeah. black kids because they need to understand like you're not going to look like your peers like your Eurocentric featured peers you're not going to look like them you're not going to have the long hair like like your East Asian your South Asian uh, um, peers they have straighter noses mm -hmm. right the shape of their eyes are very different smaller lips right and then equally don't look on Instagram to try and think that that's what the body that you're trying to get, because actually that body's just been morphed and it's a mutant body from a black, bo yeah. from a black woman's body right? Right? and a black man's body. So I definitely think the importance of like, you know, like absolutely positive affirmation around what the kids look like is really important from, from the get go. Um, but oh, that's really sad that that person did that. She's a bitch. I don't care. I'm, gro I'm grown now. But look at you now, so, Well, not today. This but I it. mean, <laughs> uh, no, but you know what? No, I don't care. You know, when you're younger as well, This is, and this is going back to the black community, I'm di digressing a little bit, but that whole respecting your elders and certain things in the black community that you have to do. And I feel yeah. like when you're, I'm a big woman now, and I'm going to say you're a bitch and I really don't care. And I, because what you did was awful like and it's, the thing is is that again you know her daughter had a more eurocentric nose and so did she so mm. it's like well because your daughter has a more pointy nose that does that mean that she's necessarily cuter than me mm. not necessarily I'm not saying she wasn't cute mm. but like what is that like what what is that need to tease children and i think like mm. we have to be so careful like with what we're saying especially when it comes to their looks because like mm, it's so it's so crazy, like how much, even when I speak to like friends and people I know how much people have internalized things about their looks that actually make them so uniquely beautiful. And, and that's the sad thing. You don't want to look like a flipping Kim Kardashian clone. I'm sorry. Kim Kardashian doesn't even look like Kim Kardashian. Her face changed every time. And don't get me started on Chloe. <sighs> oh, I think you started on Chloe, one of the snatchers that ever said. I'm going to bring it did. again because if you've got body dysmorphia, own it. But, you know, yeah. I, I just feel like that they set a dangerous precedent for people because it's like, if you hate it, change it. And I'm not against plastic surgery. Yeah. I think if it's really causing you so much mental anguish, then obviously do what's right for you. But at the same time, it's not going to fix the internal struggle. It's not going to, mm -hmm. it's not going to do it. And you get a lot of black girls who will go and get surgery on them. They do change their noses and they will change mm -hmm. their body shape. But okay, so now that you've got like I've listen, I've seen that um BBL in real life. You don't want it, guys. You don't want it. You don't want it. You're like a fucking centaur. Did I ask you to nay eat you down the street? If you see at the bottom. Jeez. <laughs> oh look like a fucking centaur. <laughs> like they're an extra out of like Lion Witch in the Wardrobe. <laughs> oh, just behave. <laughs> Harry Potter. Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> oh mad uh, could you imagine <laughs> later that's hilarious <laughs> some people get it tastefully done 
not talking about those people, but a lot of the botched jobs you see walking down the street, people that got it done in Turkey, you need to go back to surgery. Yeah. Because it's just... Yeah. It's not natural. Like, it's... Ugh. Yeah. Agreed. So let's 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 try and learn to to love the body and skin we're in. Let's try. It's not easy. I'm still learning too. But and yeah, you know. And I think yeah, it was just going to bring on to kind of like one of my final kind of like yeah. questions as well, just around like you know, like I think we've done a really was going a little bit deep with this. We have a little episode, bit, isn't it? yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Um, but I know you're talking about you know, we, but I think we both can appreciate, and some of our listeners that can empathise with our stories have absolutely gone through struggles and right, you know, how to overcome. Um, uh, you know, struggles as a black individual, but especially kind of like that, um, like the looks perspective. Because I think as well, like I know that looks is not all, yeah, it's not everything, but it does play an important part sure. in terms of how you feel, how you look at yourself, and how you feel. So, what things are what things have you done to kind of like any of the struggles or challenges you had back in the day? What have you done to kind of overcome those challenges? So, when you look at yourself now in the mirror, I mean, obviously, when we started the episode, I asked you, "What do you love about yourself?" Yeah, etc. Yeah. Like, you know, how how have you overcome kind of like some of those challenges or struggles from a looks perspective, um, being a dark skinned woman? I mean, I learned how to do my fucking makeup. And equally, the bullying that you have from, from the from 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 the uh, for the bitch. Yes, well, I said I, I, I learned how to do my fucking makeup. Number one, because makeup is the, the first thing to do when you just want to look a little bit snatched. I think sometimes people don't really realise that the simple things of learning how to do your eyebrows or eyebrows can fix anyone's face. Just just to put that out there, but just learning how to. Um, beautify myself quote unquote on the outside mm. um definitely has helped me especially when I I'm like well actually I do look nice today and I, I do feel like I look nice and I've, I've made an effort and I feel good but a really big thing that I've done which I think a lot of black women are on that journey is loving my natural hair that was a, a real I haven't relaxed my hair since 2012 and I made a decision. My sister kind of inspired me, actually, because she's just a big chopper. She chopped it all off. But I wasn't prepared to do that. I did the grow it out method transitioning because I, I couldn't do it. But yeah. um, I stopped <laughs> relaxing my head. Actually, the reason why I stopped was when I went to Brazil. I went to Brazil for a month. And obviously, there's a lot of people there who are Afro-Brazilian, mixed, etc. Mm -hmm. And they all have some, some sort of curly, wavy hair. And I just said to the... I was wearing a wig, yeah. I'm not even going to lie. And she's like, oh, your hair yeah. is so beautiful. And I was like, oh, it's not my it's wig, you know. Oh, really? It looks like the girls here in Brazil. And I was like, no, 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 no. My hair is like Afro underneath. And I'm trying to grow it out, out or I haven't decided what I'm going to do. And she was like, I don't understand why people relax their hair. Like I relaxed my hair once when I was younger, but I, I, I don't do it anymore. And I was like, oh, yeah. but how easy is it for you to access stuff? And she said, look, we have our stuff everywhere. So you can go to any pharmacy, you can go to any shop and you can go and buy products for your hair. And people just mostly choose to be natural because that's what we have around us. Now, obviously, she could be, like, generalising and making it sound, like, so perfect in a utopia. Yeah. But it made me realise, like, actually, I don't even know what my hair is like. I don't even know what I'm dealing with because I'm so used to negative images of black hair. Mm. So I stopped. And I'm not going to lie, in the beginning, it was hard. It was very hard. Um, but when my mm. hair was relaxed, it would never grow past, the like, my ears, really. It just stopped. Mm. And now it's, like, halfway down my back. And that's from stopping... Click, 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 click. I'm proud of my journey, but it's halfway down my back and that's taken like nine mm. years to, to grow down there. But yeah. And I had to really go through that process. But once I did, I also decided when I, whenever I had kids that I would also always make sure that they saw me with my hair. So don't get me wrong, baby girl has yeah. seen me throwing the wigs around. Sometimes I just throw it on her head and throw it on the floor. <laughs> oh my God, you need to send me an image <laughs> of my babes playing her drums with a wig on. I will lose it. I'll lose it. I'll lose it. Send me that video playing her drums with a wig on. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I will send, I'll do it tomorrow but definitely you know, just throw it on her head don't because I might I might piss myself if I want to what <laughs> normalise babies in wigs I mean <laughs> it needs to be normalised but yeah like I just want her to get used to you it's gone and no, I just want her to get used to it. Um, just like wigs are not me and I'm 
yeah. you know so I think that's another thing that I've done um and also just accepting my skin tone and I love getting a tan I love getting darker in the sun my skin looks yeah, even it's glowing yeah I love my lips now I never used I used to like not I used you know what I used to do um styling shoots back in the day as a hobby and I remember meeting a makeup artist it's actually a white makeup artist and I said to her mm. she's put lipstick on a black model and I said oh I really struggle finding lipsticks like I feel like oh how can I wear a light lipstick I don't even know what color to wear she just said oh babes the secret is lip liner I was like lip liner she's like, yeah you can wear any color lipstick you want as long as you wear lip liner I said I feel like some shades are not for black people she said you can make any shade work work for me for you it doesn't matter mm. and then I was like okay I can wear any color I want as long as I have lip liner Dang. so it's just yeah. like little things like that accepting that I I don't have an hourglass shape like these you know these Instagram yeah. girls um you know for me as a, a new mum and my body is not how it used to be it does get a bit disheartening when you go to social media and you're like oh my god these yeah, 19, 20 year She just pushed out two pictures you know? and she's looking snap back. Snap back straight yeah, away. Yeah. Meanwhile, yeah, we're still looking listen. like we're carrying. Yeah, but you know the reason why they look snap back? Because they ain't got no back. That's the reason why. They, that's the reason they snap back real quick. That's the reasons why. No juice, no spice, no, no jelly. No, no curry goat. No curry goat. <laughs> <laughs> no curry goat. No jollof rice. Nothing. That's the reason why. Um, so, yeah, those are some, those sound very superficial. Um but in terms of me accept, accepting my beauty as a person, yeah. those are some of the things that I do. But otherwise, it's actually just yeah. getting up in the morning and being like, this is me. And I'm not 21 years old anymore. I've got no one to impress. Um, mm-hmm. I actually beautify myself for myself, not for a man as well. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. not for anyone else but me. And I think if I mm-hmm. don't, if I didn't love myself in the way that I look, and I don't always love myself every day, but I make an effort to. But if I didn't, then who else would? You know, you really, you're, yeah. you're your only, you're, you're your only cheerleader. So, yeah, you know, I don't know if it's different for men because, you know, I don't know what men, you know, you lot get your shape up, you get your, your, your trim. Go gym. Yeah, we get the shape up, we get the trim, innit? Go gym. Yeah, get the shape up, get the trim, go gym, get pumped. Get pumped. Do our little thing. But, you know, I definitely think that for me, I think, yeah, just answering uh, on the back of what you're saying, I think definitely like, you know what, this is the only body that you've got. This is the only life. So you need to make it what it is. Like you can spend, people spend an eternity, like 40, 50 years, like literally second guessing themselves. And mm-hmm. by the time they bring the like mad, like I'm 50, I'm in a relationship that I don't want. Mm-hmm. I've got tree jaw, four, five picnic mm-hmm. that I don't like. <laughs> like, who am I? I don't necessarily, I, so I always think to myself, you know what, you always have to just like grab life by the horns yeah, yeah. and like, live it like and you are an individual you are born by yourself you will exit this this world by and yourself. go into the next world by yourself right. so you have to just love your life like no matter what and there's always going to be I'm not saying I'm saying that so quite similar to you I'm there's always going to be there's always situations where you know I, I, I have wobbles 100% there's sometimes where my mental health is kicking my ass bruv like mm. I am just out I'm just I don't want to talk to anybody I don't want don't, don't smile at me if one more person looks at me right now I'm just going to lose it mm-hmm. <laughs> so I am and I just go into my head and sometimes I can live in my head for a while but I think you know after you like kind of like put things into perspective read a few things that kind of like bring you back to 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 the ground mm. a little bit, then I think that you can absolutely, I, I move forward. I think that I, um, I think I will always, there's always going to be an element of me that's going to be that unconfident, yeah. uh, frustrated, um, a little bit lonely black boy, but it's almost actually looking at that's what I was. That's not who I am. Mm-mm. So who are you now? You're vibrant. Like you like to like, you know, you are quite a free spirit. So I think reminding myself of, you know, how free spirited I am, mm. the positive affirmations really help really surrounding yourself with people who just love you for you and that what you can bring to the table is massively important. Um, yeah, those are the, all the things that I would definitely kind of encourage or what I have done to move past uh, uh, the issues or the challenges that I've had around what I, how I look like. And then equally, you know what, not being funny, I'm just magic. So Absolutely. Bad. No, I am. I'm magic. I'm a bit of a spice. I'm not even going to lie. Believe in your source. I'm not everyone's flavour. No one's flavour, 100%. And that's cool. I don't need to be your flavour. But like, you know what, I love me. Because if you don't love yourself, who else is going to love you? That's right. As I always say, you might not be someone's cup of tea, but you'll always be someone's sugar lump. So you know what? Do what you got to do. Exactly. Do what you got to do. 
Exactly. You know what I mean? We're just living positively. <laughs> I know we probably sound like we're like, oh, we just we we're just so like together, mentally like stable. But I think I want people to realise no oh, hot mess. No, no. <laughs> Guys, for wigs and Snapchats, like Latoya has seen me go through it. Yeah. We've been recording episodes and I've been going through it. Yeah. Sleeping Same. my eye, looking like a hot mess because it has mashed me down. Right. <laughs> I've been looking mashed down. I'm not going to even lie today. Today we've been, we've been holding in any um, coughs. <laughs> literally holding in the cops um and just yeah we we, we've been through it so just for anyone listening thinking oh god like they got it together we really don't it's just um i think if you've got the 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 not wisdom is it wisdom we're imparting a a little bit but i think if you've got it it's a little bit of wisdom but i think it's more about the experience everyone's got the experience that the more experiences that we share the more we can learn from one another i'm a true believer in that like everyone has their own journey it's about how do you appreciate other people's stories mm-hmm. so feel jump on the bandwagon everyone needs to share their experience Absolutely. everyone needs to share their, their stories like everyone needs to be curious everyone needs to be empathetic because the more empathetic and curious you are then the more that you learn you grow as an individual makes you a better person so 100 percent. exactly One, i love it snatched Snatch. Snatch, snatch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, guys. Okay, wigs and snatchettes. So that brings us to the end of part two of uh, Blood, Water and Everything in Between. I forgot the title there. Right. Um, we hope that you enjoyed. It's a little bit different from part one. They're a bit more mellow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we will see you around soon. As we said, if you are not following us on socials, please follow us, Snatch Up Podcast, um, on Instagram. And you can listen to um, all the other podcast episodes and this episode on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spotify. Mm-hmm. But until then, enjoy, <laughs> lovers, friends. Oh. And we will see. I know I should do a little bit of docile tones. I need oh. to stop doing that, you know, because my voice does not sound sexy. Um, <laughs> I will see you around very soon. See ya. Bye. Take care. See you later. <laughs> Bye.